0: Vaheguru Ji Ka Khalsa, Ki Fateh. Can you guys hear me? Ji
1: Khalsa,
0: Ki Fateh. Ji So this is uh, Simran Kaur from Canada who will be talking with us today, who's our special guest. And to sort of provide a brief introduction to what's actually happened is that yesterday Navjeet and I, we were invited to an event on the C Credit Discord regarding the Kashmir issue. And I believe Navjit should pat himself on the back. He scored a few good points down there in the debate we had at the end. So really, as our listeners would be aware, there was an issue in Kashmir where a Sikh girl has uh, claimed that, uh, well, what the story is that she's actually been groomed when she was underage to uh, convert to Islam and then marry uh, Islamic uh, individual who was up to 11 years her senior. So obviously the case that has been registered against this individual is a grooming case. But it's the backlash which has been generated among all the communities, which is quite surprising because on one hand you have the Sikh community, members of the Sikh community asking for a ban on interfaith and inter-caste marriages. Then you have another section of the Sikh community which has uh, brought up the UK grooming gangs case. Then you have the uh, Muslim community, obviously, in Kashmir crying foul, saying that this is the Sikhs, uh, you know, bullying them. And now we have the, uh, well, I don't know what the correct term for them is, the liberal left work community, which has suddenly come forward and started attacking Sikhs and Sikhi straight away, saying that uh, the, the star is a sign of oppression towards women that Sikh men are oppressive, that Siki has no parameters, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So it's a pretty ugly situation, and I'm sure both of you will agree with that assessment.
2: Uh,
1: yep.
0: Yep. Yeah. You as well?
1: mm-hmm. yep. Yeah, we can get into more detail about
0: that. But yeah. <laughs> so it's become so ugly, in fact, that now people have started actually saying that the left had never had a, never had a, I would say, a clear-cut conviction. Uh authentic or genuine conviction to uh, actually uh, spot the Sikh farmers protesting in India. Rather, it was all an opportunity to exploit them for its own uh, political gains and for its own fame. And that's that's something which I would rationalize. The fact is that uh, Sikhs have never been especially friendly with the left or the right wing. Everyone's used us for their own purposes. And it shows throughout our history. So it's uh, pretty foolish of us to believe that either wing is ever going to be conducive for us. Call it political fatigue or call it political disillusionment, but that's what it is. But two things which we need to realize down here is that one, that yes, there are predators out there who will always try hitting out at what they believe to be the weakest section of our society, our community, and that is currently as offensive as it might be as women and the second thing is that Sikh women find themselves in this position because while the Sikh gurus promised gender equity for them, as Benji will confirm today, we don't have much gender equity in Sikhi Duvi.
1: A little bit of an issue where, you know, it's just for the, the the star example is it is how we crown ourselves even things and gars it's it's okay if you wear the star but it's important to note the historical context of it have women always been wearing one but um i think that the the male image can can sometimes have a bit of a glorification if i should say but yep. it's not always the case it's just we have to have that conversation
0: yep and i guess uh The root cause of this seems to be that there are Sikhs today, but there are not Sikhs. And the paradox here is that there are Sikhs who exist in name, but they aren't Sikhs in practice. And I guess when a female, a Sikh woman is actually growing up in a household, in a Sikh household, it isn't the easiest place to be, is it?
1: Yeah, and I'd say in all of Punjabi culture, it isn't. Usually with ethnic culture, I think um, there's some sort of shame that that women carry a family's shame, for example, shame, or, you know, even in their friend groups or whatever it may be, but you have a certain level of um, expectations that you don't see are being set with sons, brothers, men,
0: Mm etc. And that is something you would have seen as well, wouldn't you? I mean, I understand that your sister is probably the highest educated person in your family. But Overall, because you're in Punjab at the moment, you would be seeing this quite a lot, wouldn't you, that women are suppressed to such a degree that you start wondering really that do women even have an individual identity outside the family unit?
2: Uh, well, you are correct in that sense. Uh, this issue exists, and I'll give you a very small example. Yep. It's it's a very, very recent development. That now, girls start to learn how to drive when they you know, turn 18 or maybe, you know, Early twenties. Early yep. it never used to happen.
0: No, it never used to happen. And I guess what's actually happened what, now is that with this. What conversion, it simply
2: means is, yep. simply means is
0: hmm.
2: that if a girl can drive, it means she will go out and she will get involved with other people. Yep. So it's a very recent development that girls are now, let's say young girls, have started learning to drive at the same time as their brothers or as their you know, other other male family members
0: hmm And I guess what I was getting at is with this conversion issue, now suddenly we have woken up that, you know, what our guru said about gender equity is pretty different to what we have been uh, taught today. However, I guess, Benji, from your end, would you say that justifies attacks on Sikhi itself, which the liberal side, the work side seem to be doing today?
1: To put it if, it, if we could make it easy, is they don't call a spade a spade. I, say, I, th- I hate to say that side and this side, but the, the fact politically correct they try to appear morally correct it, instead of doing that people should just speak from the heart and call a spade a spade and things what they are um, we try not to offend communities we try to show solidarity with other communities and when we do that we fail to show solidarity and a united front to six
0: I guess that's right. I mean, this is a discussion we really actually need to have is that when we say, like yesterday, it was pointed out to us, there are particular texts and a particular faith which justify sex slavery. Now, this faith hasn't really got into a point where it can reform itself regarding these texts. However, what seems to be quite, uh, what the individual who actually mentioned this told us, what was quite uh, surprising to him was that our community has never actually managed to Understand that the day Baba Nanak refused the Janu, the Janu is a part and parcel of the Hindu faith. The day he refused it and called it a simple piece of thread, he was actually insulting a faith. And there would have been many people, there were people who were offended by that choice of words. The Hindu clergy was offended by it. They tried killing him by throwing a wall on top of him. When we come down to Guru Arjan, Guru Arjan actually stood up and said, look, we spot Khosrau to be the emperor of India because he's more liberal in the political context than Jahangir." Now, in Islam, you're not allowed to speak out against your ruler as long as he is a Muslim. And in Islam, the Sharia actually applies on even non-Muslims as well. So Guru Arjan wasn't allowed to do that, but because he did, he violated a precept of their faith. They put him to death. So I guess what the issue is that there are ideologies which we're always going to be in conflict with and we need to learn to accept that and call them out for what it is now as far as the grooming issue is concerned once again i mention it even i was pretty shocked to tell all these uh well i'm not saying all sikh feminists are bad but sikh feminists sikh liberals everyone just turned around and started attacking Sikhi straight away that sikh men are repressive that sikh gurus never elected females to become gurus etc etc and it got to a point now where uh, you can see relationships are being affected that many people are saying in the community that we need to stop the work brigade but what this has done is this has led us to a point where once again we're ignoring the root cause of this problem this conversion issue is that we don't treat a woman like they're supposed to be treated and i guess benji from your end have you ever experienced this discrimination in the religious space as well
1: I think fundamentally, men and women um, think and experience differently. They process differently. Um, mm. They use their intuition and and differently. So they they may have a different image on how things should go. Personally, I have questioned that. As a woman, you think, okay, there are no sick gurus. Um, historically the Punjabiare were only men, you know, these conversations are starting to take place across social media. Now you see more people are interested. I have experienced this, especially in the Punjabi community. It is still very part, uh, patriarchal. I don't think the Sikh religion itself is. Um, obviously it. the question always is the religion is beautiful. It's perfect. It's the people uh, that follow the religion, you know, that display whatever they do. But I have, yeah, experienced it. Um, to answer
0: your question. Yep. So I guess the other issue down here regarding the gurus being women, that was one which I saw today. And uh, Navjit, is ever telling me when people, you know, make their opinion, they're not going to actually listen to another more valid opinion, are they?
2: No. no. The thing is like, uh, you will form an opinion and you will defend your opinion at all costs because you know you're right in your own heart.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, today what it, happened it, is it, that, uh, yep,
2: you're not going to do a basic analysis. Let's say, you know, I'll weigh the both sides, both sides, and I'll form my own opinion and informed opinion, yeah? Yep. So it's a whole different ideology. It's a whole different thought process.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, today what happened is that a debate broke out on a Facebook group, a Punjabi group, regarding this, you know, Sikh guru's not choosing any female successes. And someone pointed out that at that time, The gurus were the only ones who were bringing this message of gender equity. No one else had brought it before them. No one else brought it after them. There weren't many females at the time who could have been capable of leading such a revolution. But you also need to look at it from this perspective. The gurus were a part of patriarchy, but they went against the very grain of that patriarchy by emphasizing that women are equal to men. And these things obviously take time. Revolutions take time to succeed. However, the individual who asked this question, they had already made up their mind. So it was basically, you know, accusing the gurus of heavy sexism. And that's where we have actually gotten to where people are openly saying this and the backlash this will generate will be quite immense in the coming few weeks or years. And I guess the best way to resolve this is prior to even getting to that stage, we need to start having these conversations regarding women in Gurdwara's, women in, you know, the Sikh uh, space anyway. Personally speaking, I have no problem with women being in the Pyari, because the definition of a Sikh applies both to male and female. And uh, Navjit, you know, there is a very famous Sikh personality who actually made the claim before he died that a uh, Women can't be part of the Pyare because they never stood up for that uh, particular event in 1699,
1: the Vesaki. Whole right, to stand up, and, and technically, women woman didn't stand up. I don't know if at that time it was like you know, not typical for women to stand up, anyways, for any type of job
0: around the globe,
1: <laughs> but um, sorry, okay,
0: so it was me and okay. uh, yep.
2: If they're using this excuse that women didn't stood up, yep. what's stopping them from using the excuse that oh there was one jat who stood up, there was uh, some other caste who stood up, so there was no Rajput who stood up, yeah? Yep. So by that logic, no Rajput could be a Sikh.
0: <laughs> That's right. And I guess another logic down here, okay. So what we did was we actually did an episode here on you know the Khalsa uh, uh how Guru Gobind Singh Ji, you know, made the Khalsa that day. And one thing which actually came up in the research was that all those events which happened around the late 1600s, they did not happen spontaneously as people claim that, you know, Guru Gobind Singh Ji just stood up, went outside, demanded a head. The initial Panjpiyar is he had them in his sight. He was actually judging them for at least 20 years. So the day he went out and he shouted that he needed a head, if a woman didn't stand up, neither did any men. So he finally turned around and called out the names of those five. that if these guys aren't standing up, why don't you guys stand up? So it was a test of faith for the Guru as well, you know, to call these men out who he had been watching for two decades, that would they stand up to his call or not? But now, as we are talking about many uh, Sikh personalities, religious personalities claiming women never stood up so they can't be part of the Punjabi is now, the same personalities claim that there are Sikh uh, orders or groups were founded by Guru Gobind Singhji towards the end of his life. So by that logic, even members of their order weren't present that day in 1699. So what logic do they have to become Panjpiharis today and even give Amrit?
2: I actually had this uh, this little talk with, the, let's say, a relative of mine, and I'd say the first Sikh was Bebenanki, eh? Yep. So by you know, by that logic only women can be Sikhs. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's right. That's right. The first Sikh The other logics
2: all
1: all, yep. all all life comes from a womb, so all life <laughs> like there's just so many different things that come out of that logic. It makes no sense. But I don't think that Guru Sahib's intention was to leave women out when when the Khalsa was created and the Punjabi, you know, only included men. I don't think that that was at all uh, the thought process that that happened. And I think women now can and are young girls are like we talked about tying at the star before. Young go- girls are recam- reclaiming that power in Sikhi because what they want to do is be closer to their guru, right? They're not thinking about um, tying in the sars only for a man or a woman. Yeah,
0: you no, know, that's right. I do mean, you. I think do around you. the 70s, they took archaeological excavations out there at Anandapur Sahib and they actually discovered manuscripts from Guru Gobind Singh Ji's time, which actually mentioned that after the Panjapiyadis, it was Mata Sahibkor who came to take Amrit then the Guru actually gave it to his family because, you know, at the end of the day, Guru Gobind Singh, you would have uh, expected his family to take Amrit as well. He wouldn't have said it's only for the Sikhs alone. It would have been for his family as well. And then men and women, that was the, uh, actually, uh, I think the exact term, everyone, men and women, stood up and got, you know, were uh, received by the Guru and initiated into the Khalsa. So yes, women were part of the original, um aspect in 1699. And even the contemporary sources don't mention Mata Sahib, you know, putting the Patasa into the butter. The people who claim that Mata Sahebkar put Patasa into the butter, those are the very same people, ironically, who still deny women any part in the Amrit Sanchar. And I was just
1: going to yeah. mention Mata Sahebkar, but yeah, please go on.
0: Yep. Yeah. No, uh, but that's the thing. I mean, one of these, uh, Nihanga Babas, I was listening to recently. He claimed that women can't take Amrit because uh, they become the daughters of Guru Gobind Singh, and then you know when a singer takes Amrit, a man takes Amrit, he becomes. The I've son. heard
1: this from somebody as well. Yeah, I, I heard yeah. someone that I know um say this.
0: Yeah. Yep. So they become brother and sister. That's the uh, implication this individual is drawing from here. That that's. What and that's like.
1: impactful on women because once again, like I said, if 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 women. T- and, you know, they want to choose to be a part of the Khalsa, right? They're not looking at these types of things. That's pretty in fact, impactful to hear that a male perspective could be, okay, well, now I look at you as a sister because Guru Gobind Sahib is everybody's father once you, you know, take initiation into the Khalsa. It's it's not right.
0: No, it isn't right. And I guess the funny thing down here which we need to ask is that, you know, Guru Gobind Singh Ji gave us Khande Bhattad Amrit. Did he put his DNA in there somehow? That, you know, whenever we do Amrit Sanchar, his DNA is in there. So when we partake of it, our DNA changes into the Guru's DNA as well. And you know what's so uh, funny is that that same Pracharik later says that Guru Gobind Singhji did not have any blood in his body. So that DNA thing is the first thing on the scientific basis. The second thing is, and it seems that Punjabis can't understand the difference between what is figurative language, what is metaphorical, and obviously, what is reality? Someone might say that, you know, you're the sons and daughters of Guru Gobind Singh. I don't think this would have been said at that time, back when the Khalsa was founded. Guru Gobind Singh wouldn't have ever said, these are my children, to be honest. He always credited... Six
1: ...have and been have been marrying Amrit six. So really, you know, it's just... Sorry, I didn't mean to...
0: No, that's all good. <laughs> The thing is, when people come and tell us Sikhs that we are so proud of you, you're the sons and daughters of Guru Gobind Singh, they have some sort of intention. And that intention is to intellectually and mentally, you know, sort of neuter us that down the track we start, you know, questioning our own uh, traditions, our own faith, as we are doing now. Obviously, you know, we're asking that, you know, how can we all be the sons and daughters of Guru Gobind Singh in the physical sense when we take Amrit? You know, our DNA will be the same or what? And Unfortunately, we take all this with pride and we miss the subtle, you know, alarm points down there which would be telling us that these guys have intention in praising us, which is to destroy us eventually. And I guess if this uh, pracharak is saying, you know, any Pracharik is saying that, you know, we are the ch- uh, children of Guru Gobind Singh, we can't intermarry, funnily enough, we are all the children of Waheguru. so does it mean we can't marry each other on this planet? that we have to find another dimension where there is a second vahiguru who's not related to our vahiguru So otherwise we will be committing incest.
2: Mr. Singh, please do not give them ideas,
1: mate. Please. <laughs> give them ideas to go to that topic. But yeah, that's ridiculous, right? I understand that perspective. I I understand, you know, something like from now on our existence, right? It, it, it's different, right? We're members of the Khalsa. It, it's a brotherhood with all the things and. Women should be included with that, and I don't think, I don't think it's considered incest. No, not at all. Umrah <laughs> <Amritari laughs> thirty-six, should, should marry umrah thirty-six because that person will understand your lifestyle the the best. That is the right person for you, right? So yep. don't turn somebody away if they've they've received Amrit.
0: Yep, and I guess um, this was something which I was reading a long time ago. Back in the day, I used to follow Nihang's quite a lot, and they some of their Nihang dal, uh, dals, have this issue that if they initiate women into the Khalsa, they don't even initiate women into the Khalsa. They claim they will initiate women into Sikhi and they have drawn this difference and it is done through Kirpan the Amrit. So what happens is rather than a kanda, they will take a little Kirpan and do the ceremony and give it to a woman. Now, amazingly enough, the logic behind Kirpan the Amrit was started at Hazur Sahib. It only occurred for three, four years before one of the Jathedars down there, Deva Singh, who was a nihang, stopped it. And the logic that was given for this practice by the Odassis and the Nirmalas was that, you know, women obviously are inferior to men and they can't really marry their own sisters. The Singhs can't marry their own sisters. And Deva Singh just pretty much pointed out that, you know, Guru Gobind Singh never put his blood into the butter, that we can say we all become internally like, you know, him. So we would be siblings in any sense of the word. So there is a logical approach to this as well. But unfortunately, logic today is something the Sikh community hates. If
1: somebody thinks that women are subhuman to men, there is no logic involved. I, mm-hmm. I, I cannot believe that there is any logic presiding in that because it's just unacceptable. It's unacceptable. We we play a role in society. We've done it as much as we can since the beginning. And it makes no sense to create restrictions like that. I mean, if they would change the Amrit ceremony to include women and not have controversy, like most, there's different schools of thoughts, right? We're only specifically talking about the Nahang Jatabandi for, for this school of thought as an example, but if yeah. they did did implement that, nobody has the right to stop it.
0: No, that's the thing. And I guess the first thing we also need to remember down here is that are we changing the ceremony or are we undoing some very inimical changes which have been made to it to, you know, keep us divided among ourselves? And I see this quite a lot, that there are, you know, Rehat is, the first thing is that, you know, the discipline, that we have today, the kal the Rehat that's the only one I follow. That's my personal take on it. Second thing is that Rehat mariada was made after a lot of effort made by Sikh scholars from all, uh, all walks of life to comprehend Gurbani, and that's where we got that Rehat mariada from. So it isn't like biased like many Jathabandi maryadas are but some of these are sampradayik or jathabandhi rit maryadas have this thing written in them which is quite funny which is that a sing a woman a sangani should look upon her sing as a god while the sing has full rights to expect a uh, 101% loyalty from her you see where the power imbalances so the woman should be looking at the husband as a god, and the husband has full right to expect, you know, loyalty from the wife. So, can the wife not accept loyalty? I, I'd like husband? to say
1: that as well. The the should look at his wife as a god and offer her a hundred percent loyalty, and that's that's how they'll live the most balanced life.
0: That's the thing, and the prodigal, which is actually mentioned down here, is that. Uh, a husband and wife and Sikhi are uh, two different bodies, one soul. And then they have this little caveat down there that this is how your relationship should be. And it's only a very few brave people who take the step to start questioning it. Because once you start questioning things, and as Navjit can, you know, give evidence, as Navjit can prove, people will be after you with pitchforks straight away. Isn't that right, eh, Navjit?
2: Well, what can I say? My, well, your truth, you're speaking the truth, and People will prosecute you. With uh, they will prosecute you online. They will prosecute you physically, and they will try to crack or assassinate you to begin with.
0: Hmm. And I guess when all these things are seen by a you know Sikh girl in our families, you know, suddenly suddenly she becomes very disenCHANTed, and that's something which was actually put forward to us yesterday by a uh from the UK, whose sister was actually a victim of grooming, but they managed to catch her before you know they actually managed to rape her and what's actually happened is that the daughter has become so disenchanted that the boys my brothers are allowed free reign to do whatever they want i'm not that she actually fell into the trap of these uh, men you know like uh, from the uh, obviously the grooming community we know which ones and she when you're a teenager you're rebellious and if your parents tell you not to say anything else that you go and say it anyway and that's what she did she started telling them you know what's happening in my household all the internal secret affairs. And these individuals started cooking up a story that come to our faith, this won't happen to you, we treat women equally, we have to do this, we have to do that. Obviously, the lure of being with someone who you think you love convinced this girl that you know she had to do what they were saying. It was only when the family sort of interfered and she realized what was going on, she stepped back. But we have also heard of cases where the marriage has gone ahead And afterwards, either the girl has been killed, but mostly she has been told to her face that we only did it for the money because converting Sikh girls gets us money and we are taking revenge on your gurus by doing this.
2: I have a question.
1: Oh, go ahead, sorry.
2: What's the difference between somebody genuinely loving somebody else, male or female and grooming? Okay, I'll give you a simple example. If yep. a Muslim guy targets a Sikh girl,
0: mm.
2: marries her, converts or not, that's that's secondary, and they mm. have children, and they live as a couple, is that mm. grooming or not? The condition here is that she was particularly targeted because she was a Sikh girl. Yep. So she hasn't converted in this example, but, but... It has been guaranteed that her heritage is is destroyed and by destroying her heritage, the other party, the Muslim party, has taken revenge from us.
0: Hmm, hmm. And I guess one thing which the liberals have never been able to explain is why in these marriages do the woman need to convert? If they're saying we are arguing for women's rights, why can't they argue that it should be the men converting to the woman's faith or either both of them coexisting with each other with their own distinct faiths?
1: Separate issues. People, once somebody is an adult, they can do whatever they want. If you fall in love and and you find that your partner has a different religion, you would decide as a couple which religion you want to pursue, both, or does somebody want to convert? In the terms of grooming and these types of cases, that's that's not the same. That's literally not the same at all. But Yeah. um, yeah, I think people can have that choice, both men and women. It shouldn't be the man's lineage, people really take that into consideration that they want the the man's name to go forward. So, I mean, yep.
0: Yeah, no, I understand what you mean. And that's exactly what we're saying now in India, what happens is that, and this is something we were talking about today on our group, because what happens is we have a Facebook group. Things get heated on there. So what happens is people would private me message. You know, I was talking with one of the individuals, and he was telling me that you know, in urban centres in India, what happens is that upper caste Hindu boys will always try uh, getting with a Sikh girl, even if she's from a lower caste. Reason being that they try convincing her that you know the hairy Sikh men do not have sense; they're only good for dying, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Come with us; we are good. And they got you know Indian pop culture on their side. How many? How many active Sikh men do uh, Bollywood, does Bollywood show consistently? A uh, few years down the track you might have a film with a you know Sikh protagonist or antagonist or anti-hero looking good otherwise it's all the clean shaven sort of look which is going on. Slowly, ever so slowly they will take the gill. Now what they will claim is that this is interfaith marriage, the guild can practice Sikhi, but that is not what doesn't actually happen. Slowly, ever so slowly, the past vestiges of Sikhi are kicked away until she becomes fully Hinduized. We need to understand there are differences between both faiths, obviously, and the children are raised in the same tradition as the man has been raised in. So it's the man's lineage which finally comes to the fore and the woman is relegated to being second class. Now, the problem we have is that as Sikhs, when we point this out to any couple before any interfaith marriages or someone considering this, Suddenly, suddenly uh, we are told that we are being phobic, we are being xenophobic, and we are fundamentalists and radicals. And that, I guess, is where the backlash comes. Would you agree with that assessment, uh, Navjit and Tanji? Yeah, but... Hmm. What about... Sorry, yeah. I was not
1: even I thought he was <laughs> gonna say something.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. That's the thing. I do
1: agree with it. Yeah, it's just it's tough. But yeah, go ahead.
0: Yeah, it is tough, and I guess this is something which doesn't have any really uh, logical conclusion, Dan. Here, so regarding the Manmeet Kaur case, she's come back to the family, and she's been married off again, and this is the problem. So what we we're understanding from the ground is that the family had chosen this man a few uh, months back when they sort of started suspecting what was going on. She went out and. I'm not saying that this is her fault because from what we understand, she was mentally adolescent. She was led on by someone. When you're that age, you're quite impressionable. I mean, we were raised in households where we were expected to be very strong and independent. So we, you know, grew up street smart. Other children, when you love them, obviously our families loved us as well, but you know, not to the point that would sort of make us blind to reality. Other people, you can't really, you know, instruct them how to raise their kids Obviously, in Manmeet's case, the parents have loved her so much that she hasn't realized what the world is like. Now, the second problem people have is that she's been married off in a few hours straight away. Now, the family has actually chosen a groom for her, and she's confirmed she's happy with their choice. Because, and I think, navjeet you can confirm this as well. In Indian law, in such cases, they actually need to be remarried again eh, to have any claim to justice. Am I right?
2: I'm not too sure about it. I tried reading about it. Yep. And I think I'm going to have a talk with a lawyer. So i have an appointment with a lawyer. Yep. At this exact moment, I cannot confirm this.
0: Yep, because I think there is some sort of a caveat down there that if she's married again, there is a remarriage. There are a couple, they can actually claim justice on the grounds that, you know, I've been remarried again owing to a traditional ceremony because the first time I was converted it's it's a pretty sketchy case that's the point down here it's not something
1: look if- to these laws and these types of things but with this case I, I want like I think it's very important to address and highlight the issue of grooming Sikh and Hindu girls in India and abroad abroad right where we're really tunnel focused on the case which I want to be as well and find out what has happened but there's a little bit of politics in there and a lot of people are are shifting the focus that just because she was married off right away, that there wasn't, she didn't go through this this grooming or this trauma. And I don't believe for one second that no matter how much street smarts you have as an 18-year-old, you don't know sometimes, you really don't know, you can be mm. groomed, right? There are people, and there, this is a calculated uh, grooming, um, calculated grooming plan against sick girls. So people fall prey to it a lot.
0: People don't believe it until it happens to them. People don't believe yep. it. But I mean, We were discussing this. There is a book called Easy Meat. It's about the grooming scandal in the UK. It's the most comprehensive book to come out on this issue. And many, uh, I think, countries are in the process of banning it because really the authors don't, you know, mince any words. They blame the problem where it is straight away. Mm -hmm. And they were saying that, you know, the case... When people initially looked at the case, when the journalist who actually broke this story, you know, after 50 years it was published in the UK, when he broke this story, when he looked at the case, this is what he actually said on uh, TV. There is a certain disparity between the high amounts of men drawn from one community and between the victims. So the victims down here are, you know, particularly Sikh kills because there is ideological uh, clash with the Sikhs then we come down to white gills, then we come down to Hindu gills, and then last on the line, they have Christian gills and gills belonging to different denominations of their own faith. And the thing is that the way these men operate is amazing, that international trafficking, you know, uh, sex trafficking, they're involved in each and every aspect of this. And the fact that gangs of them, because these gills, some of these girls were forced into prostitution and they were actually moved from one location to another location all over Europe. And that indicates there is a very strong network of these individuals operating. The fact that, you know, you have police looking for one girl in the UK and she's found all the way over in France indicates there is a lot of uh, strong network finances going on. And it yeah. should it must be the same in India as well.
1: My friend Harinder brought up a really good point in a space yesterday. She brought up a story and she had kind of highlighted that it doesn't take – almost immediately for you to know kind of what you're going through it takes years after maybe five to six years so you have to consider one there's a lot there's a lot of girls that aren't speaking out what's happening to them some don't even know because they may have compartmentalized it they may don't they may not know right where they placed it in their brain as term in terms of trauma and then secondly there, you have a bunch of girls that are sharing things but then they're criticized rather than supported in our community as you saw in spaces as well with some of these Kash- Kashmiri sick women speaking and being criticized to yep. talk about, uh, it's, was it consensual? Were you misguided? Uh, maybe it was bad parenting, maybe it was a case of elopement, maybe it's Islamophobia, whatever it may be, right? Um, people had said so much to these Kashmiri six, but they, they were genuine about their experience. So um, yeah, you know, I feel like it goes two mean- ways for girls.
0: Yep, it's pretty galling because it's our community suddenly who should be helping these victims, who's pushing them away all of a sudden, that, you know, it's her fault, she's a girl, she must have done something. Victim shaming is pretty uh, big in our community, and I'll say something which will be very offensive to many people, but really I'm um, past caring. When a victim comes to us, you know, when we are in the Gurdwara, we talk about how, you know, sings in the past, uh, Singanias in the past, sinks and course saved up to thirty to fifty to sixty thousand women in one day from you know Ahmad Shah Durrani's uh, slavers from the Mughals, that they never uh, you know molested any woman etc cetera, etc cetera, except when a victim comes to us, that's when we make her into a slut and start the slut shaming straight away. We never ask that you know what's happened with you. We never remember those past stories all of a sudden we start blaming the victim straight away.
1: Yeah, I got, um, I had, I talked about what my abuse on Twitter and I had a sick man that I knew that I thought I was friends with reach out to me and slut shame me. He said I was embarrassing the calm. Yeah, he said I was disgusting for talking about it. And he's like, what do you expect us six to do? It happened 10 years ago because of you. He's like, you're probably one of those girls who uh, thinks that it's your, that it wasn't your fault. And this is a sick person who identifies, you know, I don't, he can't call himself a sick. It's it's so embarrassing uh, that that this culture is resides and and people like him are the reason why these groomers get to get away with what they do because the way they operate is is so filthy and this culture of not speaking out and letting you know people like this say what they want is it's just a bad cycle.
0: It is a bad cycle. It is unfortunately a really bad cycle, and I mean. These same people will be sitting in the Gurdwara about to do katha from a particular text and they will say that, you know, woman leave the hall or Maharaj, please forgive us, we're about to say this uh, things in your hazuri and they pass it off as bani. Except the thing is that they disrespect women so much that you really start thinking that, are they really the Guru's Sings? I mean, back in 2004, if you guys remember, there was a playwright, a Punjabi playwright in the UK and she uh, wrote a play. And in this play, a woman gets raped in the Gurdwara by a Granthi. And we know that in Nankana Sahib, Nankana Sahib is a very pure Pavittarasthan for us. That's another thing that, you know, the, uh, the Gurus never joined us with any spaces or locations. But still, for us Sikhs, where Baba Nanak was born, that's a very Pavittarasthan for us. Inside Nankana Sahib, under the British, when Mahantanarandas Sudasi took over, every day used to be a gang rape in there. And what they used to do was they used to slit the woman, uh, female, uh, the victim's throats and bury them under the wall of the Gurdwara at the back. And if I remember correctly, over 200 Sikhs died liberating that Gurdwara. That, and the foremost thing the Sikhs said was that it isn't that Baba Nanak was born here, it's because what's happening to the woman down here, that's why we are fighting and dying for this, you know, liberation of this Gurdwara Vendha. Akali movement started in the 20s. So rape has taken place in Gurdwaras. Sexual abuse has taken place in Gurdwaras, right? We know what happened back in the 80s. We know what's happening today. Except when this playwright wrote this play, men from the local Sikh community threatened to burn down the uh, theatres playing that show, and she had to leave the country for fear of her life. And today what's happened in Derby that's brought that reality back to confront us once again, that if at that time we had not reacted so aggressively, if we had sat down with women and actually said, look, this play has opened our eyes, this is what happens, we wouldn't be in the position we're in today, would we? Nope. nope. Can you imagine a woman walking into the gurdwara and getting raped by two thieves?
1: Here's the thing. You know what? I, I'm a little bit... My... I'm mad at the community a little bit. Is is why aren't our sick men proactive instead of reactive? Like everybody's really mad about this um, marriage right away, right? That they wanted to to marry her off when when she came back home. Um, th- that's a that's a reactive action. Why aren't they proactive? Why aren't they getting information out there? I know this this young woman, Darshleen Gar from uh, Sick Teens, she released uh, a, a rape cool take toolkit, right? Like a trauma toolkit. Um, And and it shows information about what can happen with grooming and things like that. Why isn't our community taking initiatives to create a global kind of conversation about this? Because we have access at our fingertips, right? We have clubhouse, Twitter spaces, we have so many different rooms and and ways. I want to see some men get involved in a a proactive way to, to actually face this issue I think a lot of people are still denying that this grooming takes place just because you can't see it doesn't mean it's not happening and people really really just know how to make every excuse in the sun except for call call it what it is
0: yep no that's right I mean one of the victims who I talked with who was a victim of grooming this was 10 years ago she told me that she saw no gender equity in Siki, so she left Siki, and obviously she was groomed and she went into that faith down there, after a few years, she was beaten every day, uh, raped every day. So when she left that faith, she came back and I asked her that, Benji, now that you've survived the trauma, are you still religious? And she said, no, I see all religions as one. Now for us, that's Golling, who, you know, read in Asa Rajani, you know that, why call her bed from whom kings are born? But as you were saying, men in the community need to step up to provide that equality. Equality is a two-way step, you know. And unfortunately, we have also got cases where in Punjabi families, relatives themselves have groomed girls. And I mean, Navjit, you would you would know They eh? say, like there's always that one chacha, one mama, one taya, one kanjar in most of these families where we will tell our sisters and daughters to stay away from, wouldn't we?
2: Well, there are always one, and there are usually more
0: than one. Yeah, usually more than one. And what happens is that they will just go past a woman, you know, accidentally bump into her or make a comment or, you know, try touching any of the genitalia accidentally. All this also happens there as well. So, I mean, the problem with Sikh men today is that if all of us, and I'm saying this because we are men as well, if all of us get together and start confronting the equality issue, we will have to admit that there are times where we have stuffed up as well. And the hardest thing for anyone, particularly men, is to admit that they are wrong.
2: The very first thing that... that, Yeah. uh, (laughs) Okay. Sorry. As men, I think a lot of men would be too afraid to concede ground. That's masculinity, Mm. according to them. Mm. Yeah? Yep. Very simply, are women equally involved in the decision-making process at the family, in the house? Are they?
0: Not really. It's the man who has the final say.
2: Yeah. So that could be a you know, a, a good place to start to begin with. Hmm. You could maybe, you know, talking about an issue in the family and ask your daughter, what's your opinion? Hmm. Instead, of, instead <laughs> of just telling her that this is what we have decided, what's your opinion? Mm. Simple common sense approach. They not don't the speak out against double happen.
1: standards. They they just don't speak out against it. They let it happen, or, or engage it in it themselves.
2: Yeah. Yep. I think. I guess, I think
0: uh,
2: yep. I've talked multiple times about my own sister. Yeah? Yep. And uh, I'm not ashamed to admit it that she has she has had a major role to play where I am today. Mm. She was my guide. She was my mentor. She explained things to me. She's older than me, and of course, she's much more mature than me. So you know, sometimes you need a different perspective. She, could, she she talks to me. You know, we discuss things. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep.
2: In most families, these things don't happen.
0: Mm. I guess the-
1: sticks something Sorry, I didn't mean to. Something sticks out to me that I read this article once by Sukchit Karakalsa from Car Life. She writes. Yep. um are you treating, or sorry, are you raising your daughters to be sick, or are you raising them to marry sick? Like that'll always stick out to me a lot, and that's kind of changed my perspective on a lot of things. And that's a big messaging I want to send out, you know, to our brothers and sisters that are going to be listening. Um, when when you're raising your daughters, or when you're, you know, things when you're supporting your sisters, are you supporting them to to marry a sick, or to be a sick with you, right?
0: Yep, no, that's right, and that stings. That also stings us as well. That stings our patriarchy, I'll admit it. But it's something we need to understand that are we actually raising them to be Sikhs or are we actually raising them to marry Sikhs? If we raise them to be Sikhs, they will find a Sikh to marry. But if we're actually raising them to marry Sikhs, that's where there's going to be a lot of problem. That's where elopement comes and everything. And at the end of the day, end of the day, we as a community pride ourselves on quite a lot of things, but we never pride ourselves on, you know, self-analysis or retrospection. See, imagine a court. In a court, if you do a crime, they will ask you what your motives were, why you did what you did. If our gills run away, or if this, you know, if someone will, uh, you know, willingly leaves secure, something like that happens, we are never going to ask the girl why she did what she did, but we will always ask the boy, even if the boy kicks us out. And this happened in a Gurdwara a few years ago. I was sitting there in the pie. He actually said something which people found pretty rude in Punjabi and uh, they actually wanted him gone. So he left for India after a while. You know, when the Sangat gets together, there are the few bitchy people who make even the pies life hell, even if they're good pies. But this is what the pie said that in Punjab, the culture is reflected in our songs and in what we do. If a boy runs away with someone's gill, 90% of the time the boy is seen as being macho and a hero by the family. And the family will peep- support
2: him un- unconditionally true.
0: Unconditionally. And there will be times when the fa- and this is what the pie has, I've heard this myself as well, the pai has heard this as well. The father will tell the younger child, the younger son, see, look at the big guy, look at your elder brother, look what he did. Are you going to be that brave? So that scene is a sign of honor. The girl's family will kill her straight away.
1: I mean, you can't change history, but it is what it is. Um, Things need to break in. A little bit of a change need to, because when I think about Sikhi, one of the most powerful turban is so clearly identifiable, right? You stick out in a crowd. Women also want that clear visual sign that they are sick as well, right? We're not just baby making machines, okay? We're not out here just to give you your sons. We also contribute to the calls as much as we do, and we want to identify ourselves as such.
0: Yep, no, that's right. And I mean, the baby-making machine point is pretty valid as well. If Guru Nanak's mother hadn't been there, if Baba Nanak's mother didn't have her periods, would we have Baba Nanak today?
1: Every single life comes from a womb. So people always say, oh, there's no there's no woman gurus. Women gave birth to the gurus. What more could we, what I want to ask for as a woman, knowing that I'm capable of giving birth, you know, to someone that could be this impactful to the world um so it's just it's just how these narratives have a negative connotation and i think a lot of people need to focus on the yin and the yang and and look at the negative parts about it but focus on the positive pieces right and it, fundamentally i think it's it's the the men's aspect that needs to change i truly b- believe that that Sikhi isn't patriarchal but it's it's the men inside of it right that are um choosing to think and and work with these views so hopefully we can open them up
0: slowly <laughs> Yeah, it will take time, it will take time, and I guess Gurbani has to be our guide. And on that point, there is a Shabad by Baba Nanak in which he confronts the Pandit, and uh, the story behind the Shabad, what we can deduce, is that Baba Nanak is going to the Mandir, he's going to debate the Pandit, and alongside there is a woman, and the Pandit stops her from entering the temple. And Baba Nanak asks him why, and he says because she's got her period, and Baba Nanak writes the Shabad that, you know, the woman has her period naturally every month, and just like that, it's natural for you to lie. And what he's actually saying is that the woman has a gift from God. You know, periods are a gift from God. There is life inside the the womb is capable of giving life. That's what it's a sign of. The lies
1: patriarchal men. You know, we gave birth to them too, right? And for, yep. so, <laughs> unfortunately, but sorry, didn't mean to cut you.
0: Yep. So the lies. In your mouth, which he's saying to the Pandit, are also natural, but they aren't a gift from God. So a woman's period is, you know, much higher than your lies. The way it's been translated today is that, you know, women's periods are a sign that they are false creatures. And that, you know, when a woman has her period, she can't go to the Gurdwara. Now, back in the day, today we have tampons. Obviously, we have sanitary pads. I'm sure they had something like that back in the day as well. You hear about Mata Pag or you hear about, you know, Deep, or Bibi Deep core, all these other Sikh warrior women fighting in the battlefield. I don't think they would have left some let something as small as a period stop them from going out to war. No
1: way. No way. You're gonna wake up for Amritavilla when you have your period. Okay. We're gonna wake up, we're gonna do Redas, we're gonna we're gonna do our we're gonna, you know take the name of our period isn't going to stop us. It's not going to stop us from going to work. Okay. It's not going to stop us from working out and going to the gym, going for a run. The period is nothing. It does not control us. Uh, We are not going to stop ourselves from entering the Gurukar because we have our period, because we have a a gift, you know, from the creator himself. Um, I want to emphasize that the creator's ultimate tool is a woman. Uh, You know, it's his tool for, for, more creation. So ridiculous, uh, outdated thought process.
0: <laughs> Obviously. And I guess uh, one thing which um, uh, navjeet have you heard about uh, when Ram Chandra was going to Lanka and the sea god stopped his way? Have you heard that story?
2: Well, there are far too many. Which exactly one are you talking about?
0: This is the one where they, uh, apparently what happens is that the sea god comes out of the sea and he's like, oh, Ram ji please forgive me. I'm saying this because i have Sikh. Babas preach this. And what the sea god says is that tall drum, shudder the low caste, nari, woman, pasu, the animal, ke adhikari, that these uh, so the drum, the woman, the low caste, and the animal, these four are made to receive beatings. Now, well, the way this was, a,
2: taran yep. ke adhikari, the
0: price. Yep. And this is going to be uh, controversial. I won't say the name of the preacher, but back in 2001, he wrote a series of books that set the sea called "A Flame." Many shops sat down, uh, shut down. So what happened is that he actually wrote a rebuttal to this point, and he said, well, how do you interpret this? Is this the sea God telling Ramchandra a reality? And then if he's telling Ramchandra a reality, then why are we saying that this is reality in our Gurdwaras? Why are we saying that women deserve to be beaten? So what happened was that uh, one of the Godavara preach- preachers replied Beck, "You're misinterpreting this. This is an apology." Now, the way I see it is, if a child does something naughty and he hands me a stick and says, "Spare the rod, spoil the child," this doesn't mean I'm not, you know, that I'm not going to punish the child or whatever. But it means that there is a precedent where the child gets beaten for doing something naughty. So, how is this also an apology if the sea god is saying that you know, woman deserve to be beaten? How do you get that to be an apology? And all these, you know, useless mythologies are pushed onto us Sikhs that somehow this is Sikhi.
1: Well I, does not mean yeah,
0: yep.
2: I, I think it's an entirely separate issue that things that they're not even Sikhi are being sold to us wrapped in Sikhi.
0: Yep, no, that's right. I mean, okay, so the sea god gets up and he says, Oh, look, I'm sorry. Uh, Drums, low castes, women and animals, they're made to be beaten. So is he any of those? Or if he's saying that he is, he's one of them. So what about the other three? And this is made out to be sicky. And look at our Sikh men. I have seen cases where they will justify beating their wives because, you know, Babaji said so. Yeah,
2: man. Okay. Uh, I'll just return to the previous point we are talking about. Biology, yeah? Yep, and this is my question to both of you: If a girl has been groomed and she has children, even when she realizes that something wrong has been done to her, wouldn't having a family, wouldn't having children, prevent her from returning?
1: These are these are very specific cases. And things that I think all three of us are not experts on, but of course it would, it would impact everything. You want to realize this, if they were very young when they were groomed and they, you know, chime into this, you see this with um, uh, situations with You know, where women have been groomed in other cases, like I've watched other documentaries and they have children with, you know, where there are situations where maybe they had an abusive father um, or something of that nature and they ended up having to have a child with that person, but they were, they can't ruin that relationship with their child. But once again, I'm not an expert to speak on it, but that's a very specific case. I don't see any woman turning their back on anyone. but that that would make it so difficult. Of course it would. That's years and years of trauma. That's um, something that we should highlight and talk about and and see if if that happens. A lot of people wouldn't speak on it, but y- you do hear that most of these um, some women, you know, if it's not a case of grooming and they wanted to stay and they wanted to continue that life, they they will.
0: I mean, I know of two cases. The first one is pretty recent. It's in 2008 when Obama became a president, first black president. There was a white supremacist who decided to blow him up. And what happened was that the supremacist was a pedophile. He had a woman who he was married to. He was always beating her and he had a young child. Now, this woman decided she's going to kill herself. She had had enough of it because obviously he had groomed her as well. And when she went to kill herself, she actually saw that this man was, you know, looking at pornographical images of children. And she thought that, you know, if I kill myself, my child's going to be hauled out by this man. So what she did was she went into his bedroom when he was sleeping and she shot him dead. And the judge gave her a suspended sentence because not only did she save the president's life, she also took a step which, you know, ensured the safety of her child. The second case I know is from the 80s when these uh, Sikh women were actually molested in many rural uh, you know, areas in the cow belt. Their rapists came back and deliberately dragged them away to marry them. And one of these women actually had children with the men, but what she did was she killed him and then she joined the militants and died fighting there as well. So there are extreme cases, but like I said, this isn't a black and white issue and we really need to sit down and have these conversations that what happens to the children?
2: Okay. Uh, the reason why I brought this example of okay, nineteen forty-seven is a topic that interests me very much. Yeah, because it's connected yep. to my family, my own history, my own my own heritage. Yeah, and as seeds, because we lost a large part of our former empire and our historical places and everything. Yep. There was recovery of abducted women on both sides of the border immediately after nineteen forty-seven. Yeah. Yep. And I have read an account, and I think I forgot the name of the, of the guy. I think it was Major Singh or something. He was a second World War veteran, yeah? Yep. So the, this recovery went on for like probably three, four years, maybe even more. Yep. He actually went and, uh, you know, he found out there were two Sikh women who were now converted to Islam. And they, they were you now living yep. with the family that abducted them, kidnapped them. Okay. Yep. He goes there, he finds the first woman, she's pregnant and she already has another kid. So yep. two. And he, okay, he notes her down, okay, she's here with this family and she refuses to leave. Hmm. And uh, okay, he said, okay, well, it's understandable that she's, she, she has a family, now she's a kid, so she won't be separated back in the family or something. And, she, and he explores uh, her story a little bit more. Her entire family was wiped out Yep. because the male, males were killed and females were taken. Yep. She was married to a Sikh guy before. Hmm. I think probably less than a year before 1947. Yep. And he, she just requested to him and just listen to this request. And I'll try to find the link and I'll try to find the story again. He requested to him that my former sister-in-law, the sister of my former Sikh husband, she is she's also been abducted because we were all esca- escaping you know as a, as a family yeah. she is in that village could you please return to her so i can marry her off myself
0: Whoa.
2: i as a man cannot say anything what a woman who goes through such this experience goes through i haven't talked to anybody who was groomed i don't know anybody who was uh, in the future, I, I would definitely like to talk to such people, male and female, who have been abused either by our own people or other pe- peoples of other, other communities. i have given this, this real-life example that these things are way too complicated. We can just start a conversation, but we need to work on it.
0: And I guess to wrap up, we to have these conversations, basically, that's the first point. The second point, this is going to sound extreme, we need to pursue everything we know about our Sikhi with the uh, aid of the Guru Granth Sahib under the wing of Guru Maharaj from Gurbani. Only then will we be able to create that gender-equal society we want and stop these issues of conversion because let's face it, 50% of the problem is there are predators out there. We can't do much about that. If there's a lion on my way to work, then I can't you know really kill all the lions in the world. But the second thing is I can always take precautions to protect myself. And we can take precautions to protect our sisters by treating them the way they deserve to be treated and not like pieces of rubbish.
1: Exactly. And our sisters, by accepting that, you know, I I thought it was interesting to know that um, if we're armed, right, with a girl, um, maybe we could also, you know, protect ourselves. The thing with grooming, though, it's really hard um, because it's a very subtle art um, that affects a woman's mind. It plays with your mental. Even even men are groomed as well, young men. Um, but hopefully we can emphasize stories because if we don't tell these stories or hear these stories, these perpetrators, they're, they're going unchallenged. They're undressed. Um, you know, we're not focused on these um, complex stories of survivors. Um, and even to go back to your point about, you know, when they have children it's much harder you know sometimes they take 20 years to even understand what happened to them they could have a whole family and a child and everything and and set them up and give them a whole life and still as a woman you've com- compartmentalized your trauma and it takes you years to understand what happened to you uh all the meanwhile you're living for all these other people you know so um
0: yeah no that's understandable that's understandable and i'm sure that if you have incidences, uh, incidents of Sikhs, uh, Sings saving women, I'm sure there are some incidents or more than some incidents where course saved Sings. It is entirely possible. Yes. Yep. And I guess the logical approach down here is that, you know, we have the Singh Sabha movement, which did much for gender equity. We need such movements to come out again, but we also need women to become leaders and lead the way forward as well. That's another thing we need. We need women to start speaking up, which they are. And we also need to facilitate places where, you know, if women want to be in the Panjapyare, they can be in the Panjapyare. You know, we need those types of open, conspicuous role models to come out and start doing what they have to, to, you know, alleviate the situation. Because at the moment, let's face it, all the faiths which started in the East, other than Sikhi, view a woman's body as a battleground.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, and I look forward to that, and I think I, it looks like it would be a positive thing with with women in the bunch. bed. I think a lot of women know, and we we can look at it as an example from the indigenous communities. They had the clan mothers, right? They were not only the leaders of the clan, but the but the nation as well as a whole, and um they they, they kept everybody accountable. And, and there's there's historical evidence that installing and removing male chiefs based on you know what their decision making capabilities were uh, would would fall onto the clan mothers as their duties, so we we can totally adopt something like this in Sikhi.
0: Yep, I think we have a precedent. Baba Nanak when he actually left uh when he left India to travel abroad, I think he made yes, Mata Slakhani, he made her his wife, the leader of the Sikhs in India. We have, you know, Guruanga the Mata Kivi actually making food and serving food to everyone at a time when woman could only feed her husband.
1: at a time where woman right didn't even have
0: didn't have blood. any rights. Guru Amar Das, you know, with his wife leading the Sikhs all over uh, the uh, Punjab and India. We come down to Guru Ram Das, you know, compiling Gurbani, because Guru Ram Das actually also started collecting Gurbani, Bibi Pani, his wife was helping him in this. Then we have Guru Arjan, the day he goes to die, you know, who does he hand his successor over to? He hands it, he hands him over to his wife. That, you know, he is the next Guru, make him the next Guru. I'm going, it's your responsibility cheme Pacha is in, you know, confinement, who's leading the Sikhs, his mother and his wife, along with the council of Sikhs. We come down to Guru Harai. Guru Harai, as historic sources point out, which have a lot of authenticity, was actually poisoned and killed. Guru Krishan is leading the Sikhs, but his mother is working behind the scenes to make sure that, you know, nothing wrong happens. Come down to Guru their Mata Gujri plays a very sterling role in raising Gobind Rai and leading the Sikhs after he is executed. And then under Guru Gobind Singh, we have, you know, women being given, Amrit, women leading armies, and we have such incidences, such glorious incidences. So there is a pattern for us to follow, only if we feel compelled to follow that pattern. And I think it's high time we start following those precedents as well. I mean who knows in the future we might actually you know push for a woman to be jathedar akal that
1: could create any any problems in the month i think as a as a sikh month we should exhaust all efforts and, and give everybody an equal opportunity to present themselves offer ideas uh, challenge narratives open discussions, especially as a month, you know, with these grooming situations, I, I can see a woman taking that initiative head on. I don't understand why the men aren't doing it actively, why the men aren't actively arming parents and other authority figures, you know, with this knowledge. Uh, we need to spot children in danger, right? And we got to exhaust all efforts. So I think we should attempt to put our women in the leadership positions, because I know quite a few men that think that they shouldn't be there, d- no,
0: despite what their school of right. thought is. Yep, you're right, you're right. And I guess the first thing we have to remember is that fundamentally Sakhi comes from the Guru Granth Sahib. There is no school of thought as long as we're, you know, uh, synchronizing ourselves with the Guru Granth Sahib. And secondly, I guess the thing regarding that issue you brought up, I mean, the biggest issue which has been confronting the Panth now is that why aren't women allowed to do Kirtan inside Darbar Sahib? And there is no good reason for this. And the clergy down there knows there is no good reason for this because, If they say if they start giving their justifications, we will be laughing at them. We will literally be laughing at them. That you know, is this the justification you have that Chandra was going to Lanka and this god came out and said women deserve to be beaten and they deserve nothing else? We will be laughing at them. And I guess the third thing to do is that we really need to sort of activate our own defense mechanisms. And women should not make the same mistake as men. Now, why I'm saying this is that few years ago or last year actually one of my friends he was uh, on Facebook and he was following a political party, a green party environmental party and the issue was that globally there were so many places shut down to the risk of the due to the risk of the coronavirus. Why was it that some politicians in some countries actually stoked a reaction for the black lives matter protest you know so many people gathering in one place and the disease spreading, and we aren't the USA we thinks we're out of control. And he was—he actually started arguing with a party spotter. And she was a woman. And he told her, well, look, you're fundamentally wrong about how the corona spreads. And she replied back that because he was a man, he was hating on her. And I guess that narrative down here is that, you know, gender equality needs to be pursued, but not so one gender can come to the top and suppress the other gender. Would you agree with that? I mean, if you have one gender, you're saying we want, uh, you know, we I don't agree with that necessarily.
1: I think you should have fact-based points. And if you disagree with somebody on any topic, because some of these topics are, you know, I don't think I have a right to speak on any of them. I'm not, you know, I can't speak on coronavirus. I don't know any details of it. I'm not a doctor. I don't make vaccines. But At the end of the day, if I have a debate with somebody or have a discussion with them, I'll never say that, you know, you're a man and your misogyny is showing or whatever it may be. Um, I hope nobody uses labeling in an argument. I think debates need to have logic, reasoning, and also a solution-focused kind of actionable step as a part of it. Um, It it ends the argument when you you go for somebody's character like that, man or a woman.
0: Yeah, that's right. And why I'm saying this is that, you know, Recently, we have been struck with all these issues. So there are people who claim Baba Nanak was a gender bender, Baba Nanak was a queer, the bugs oh, were queers, the Gurus were queers. Okay, look, it's debatable whether they would have supported this practice or not. But on the other hand, by misrepresenting their historic characters, you aren't really getting much out of that, are you? Fine, then you can say that the Gurus would have supported people like us, but you say that the Gurus were the same people. That's where people start, you know, getting a bit aggressive and moving back to give a backlash. Anyhow, I guess thank you very much for your time. We really appreciate you talking out and I guess it would be very hard to talk about your experiences in this case wouldn't it? After all the abuse you have suffered. However we hope that you continue doing what you are doing Simran Panji empowering other women. Thank you very much for your time.
1: Kalsa
0: Vaheguru Ji Ki Fateh